Welcome back to God's Pathway to Life for You. I'm your host, Dave. Today, we're going to be talking about John's chapter 2. Hey, thanks for returning to the podcast. Before we get started, I'd like to say my little prayer. Lord, Father in heaven, please hear my prayer. Please help us to truly understand the word, to let your word live in our hearts every day, to guide us, to comfort us, to redirect us, and to conform us into your son's image. All this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Because that's the goal of being a Christian, is to transform into Christ-likeness. Some of us go kicking and screaming, and some of us go with grace and dignity. Which one are we going to choose? Okay, today we're talking about John chapter 2, and we're just going to go ahead and get right into it. And on the third day, there was a marriage in Canaan of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. So they were invited to the marriage. And when they needed wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what have I to do with you? My hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servant, whatever he says to do, do it. And see, that, that should be a, a, a Bible verse that you should remember. Remember, when you fight against the uh, principalities and the powers and the evil system out there, we only have the Word of God to fight with. And if you don't put any, uh, anything in your brain to fight with, you won't have no tools in your, ar- in your armory when you go to fight against Satan. So like a tool you can use is that one. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to do, do it. So whatever the Lord says to do it, do it. I set there six water pots of stone. So there's six pots of stone, uh, like vessels or jars that were sitting there, or six of them, in the manner of the purifying of the Jews containing 18 to 27 gallons. And Jesus said to them, fill up the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And then they said to them, draw out now and bear to the manager of the feast. So the person that's, uh, that's uh, uh, conducting the marriage. And they bore it to him. And when the ruler of the feast had tasted of the water that was made wine, and he knew not where it was, so he didn't know it was water, but the servants which drew the water knew that it was water, the governor of the feast called to the bridegroom and said to him, Every man at the beginning does set forth good wine, and when men are well drunk, drink freely, then that which is worst. But you have kept the good wine until now. So he's saying usually they bring out the good wine at first, and when everybody's all drunk and they don't care what it tastes like, then they bring out the bad wine. Chapter 2, verse 11. The beginning of miracles did Jesus in Canaan of Galilee, and Manifest forth means made visible. His glory and his disciples believed on him. So when the disciples seen that Jesus turned the water into wine, they instantly realized that he is the Son of God, and they believed him. Okay, now, after that scene, after after they left that, after this, he went down to Capernaum. He and his mothers and his brothers and his disciples. And they, they continued there not many days. So they went down to Capernaum and they didn't stay very long. It was the Jewish Passover at that time and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And he found the temple, those that were sold oxes. So when he found, this is going to be the temple cleansing. Now there's two times 
that Christ uh, went in there and cleansed the temple. We talked about uh, one time in Matthew, but that's not actually the first time. This is actually the first time that Jesus went in there and drove uh, people out of the temple. What's recorded in Matthew's is actually the second time that it happened. So in John, we have the first time that Jesus went into the temple and cleaned it out. Said he went, he found in the temple those that sold oxes, sheep, doves, and the changers of money sitting there. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the ox and poured out the changers money and overthrew the tables. So he made like a whip and he started whipping everybody, the money changers. He started whipping those guys. He started whipping the sheep, the cattle. I mean, because the, 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 the temple of God is the house of prayer. It's it's a house of worship. It's not to be made uh, a place to make money. You know, it's not supposed to be a place. You know, churches don't are not in the business of producing or making money to generate profits. No, we have the churches have to have money to sustain themselves in order to keep the lights on, to pay for the internet service, to pay for the phone service, to pay for the gas, the water, electric. I mean, churches have expensive expenses and costs just like everybody in the world just because you're a church everybody don't just give you everything free so churches have expenses and costs that they have to do but we're not supposed to make that the uh, the paramount or the motivating factor of our church no reading the word of god out to everybody is our paramount most important thing that we do and god provides the rest that's how christians believe and that's how we work but these people have taken God's house and turned it into Walmart. They turned it into Target. They turned it into Sam's Costco. I mean, because uh, a lot of people couldn't afford uh, animals and birds and stuff like that uh, to take that bird from the other side of Judea and, and carry it and maintain its life for, I don't know, two or three days or maybe a week to get up there to Jerusalem. So the animals would die off, and you couldn't keep them that long. So what they would do is that these guys set up that would sell you a fresh bird as you roll into town. You could pick you up a bird and head on to the temple and do your your business. So I got a little thing that I found. I'll, I'll read it after I get done reading the Bible thing. So let's continue. And uh, so he overthrew the tables, and then he said to them that sold doves, "These things from here make not my father's house a house of merchandise." Like I said, it's not a business. And his disciples remember that it was written, The zeal of your house has eaten me up. Then answered the Jews and said to him, What sign show you to us, seeing that you do these things? You know, what gives you this authority? And Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. You know, he's talking about his body. And then they said, then the Jews said, 40 and six years, 46 years it took to build this temple. We'll render up in three days. So they said, there's no way it took us 46 years to build this temple. And you're saying you can build it in three days. But he spoke not of the temple. He spoke of the temple of his body because he was going to die, be crucified, uh, be dead for three days and rise, rise to ascend on up. And then, therefore, he was risen from the dead. His disciples remembered that he had said to them, they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus said to, had said. Now, when 
he was in Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast day, many believed in his name. And when he saw the miracles, when they saw the miracles which he did. So when Jesus was in Jerusalem during the Passover at the feast day, many people believed in Jesus and was saved because of the miracles that he did. And that's why he was, that's why he did some of the miracles because some people had the heart just to see the miracles and believe it was Christ. But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew of all men. See, he, he wasn't totally sold on their faith yet. And he did not, and he needed not that any should testify of men for he knew what was in men. So he knew that they, you know, they may enjoy me right now, but their their heart is really not into in into it. And he knew that because only Christ can look inside somebody. See, you you can't judge anybody, and you can't you're not supposed to judge anybody or make a verdict on somebody because you you really can't look inside that person's heart. And there's only one person that can do that, and that's Jesus Christ. He can look inside somebody, and he can tell whether or not they're they're going to be truthful or not. So only Christ can do that. That brings us to the end of John chapter 3. So I did find a little thing on the internet. I was doing some internet uh, searching or studying before I did the Bible podcast. And one one of the things I found was, how many times did Jesus cleanse the temple? And it was a question that was asked. And the answer is, Jesus cleansed the temple of the money changers and selling of the merchants uh, because of his disgust at what they had made of God's house a prayer and his zeal to purify it from the ungod abuse of ungodly men. Judah was under the rule of Romans, and the money in current use was Roman coins. However, Jewish law required that every man should pay a tribute to the service of the sanctuary of half a shekel, a Jewish coin. It became, therefore, a matter of convenience to have a place where the Roman coin could be exchanged for a Jewish half-shekel. The money changer provided this convenience, but would demand a small sum for the exchange rate. Because so many thousands of people came up from the great feast, money changing was a very profitable business, and one that resulted in fraud and oppression of the poor. Also, according to the law, two doves or pigeons were required to be offered in sacrifice. Yet, it was difficult to bring them from the distant part of Judea. So, a lucrative business selling the birds sprang up, with the sale gouging the faithful by charging exorbitant prices. There was other merchants selling cattle, sheep, for the temple sacrifice as well. Because of these sellers who preyed on the poor, and because of his passion for the purity of his father's house, Jesus was filled with righteous indignation as he overturned the tables of the money changers. He condemned them of having turned God's house of prayer into a den of thieves. As he did also, his disciples remembered Psalm 69, Zeal for your house consumes me, The insult of those who insult you fall on me. Jesus' first cleansing of the temple is described in John chapter 2, verse 11 and 12, as having occurred just after Jesus' first miracle. 
the turning of water into wine at the wedding in Cana. John makes it clear that it was first after this that he went to Capernaum, where he stayed a few days. Then in the next verse, 13, John tells us that the Passover of the Jews was at hand. This verse traces Jesus' movements over a short period of time from Cana to into Galilee, to Capernaum, and eventually into Jerusalem for the Passover. This is the first of the two times Jesus cleansed the temple. Uh, the, gospel, the synoptic gospels do not record the cleansing mentioned in John chapter 2, instead only record the temple cleansing that occurred during Passion Week. The second cleansing of the temple occurred just after Jesus' triumphal entrance into Jerusalem the last week of his life. The second cleansing is recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but not in John. There are differences in the two events, aside from there being nearly three years apart in the first cleansing. Temple officials confront Jesus immediately in John chapter 2, verse 18, Whereas the second cleansing, the chief priests and scribes confront him that following day in Matthews twenty-one seventeen through 23. In the first event, Jesus made a whip of cords, which is to drive out the sellers. But there is no mention of the whip in the second cleansing. There, so there are two recorded occasions when Jesus cleansed the temple. The first time at the beginning of his public ministry, and the second time is just after his triumphant entrance into Jerusalem, shortly before he crucified. So I found that on the internet. Pretty interesting. Okay, so I think that's the end of the podcast. Okay, so I caught the call to action to sign up for the prayer list today, and if you'd like a sticker, leave me an email, send your sticker. I also would like to invite you to write your own prayer list. Keep track of names of loved ones and people that you care about. Write down if God answers a prayer in your life. Put down, write down the prayers that you pray for these people. And keep track of them. And uh, make you a prayer book, a prayer list, and keep track of it. And you can go back and show that God answers prayer to people when you open your prayer book and say, Look, he's got right here is proof. Okay, if you'd like to become a Christian, turn your life over to Christ and repent from your life and turn away from your life and turn to Jesus and cleanse your house and fill your life with Jesus and the things of Jesus because salvation only comes from God. Salvation doesn't come from anything that you do. It comes from God. And the reason you read your Bible, you go to church, is as a love gift to God while you're alive to show that you appreciate your salvation and your second chance at life and you want to clean your life up. So if you want to turn from your old life and turn to a new life and find hope and salvation in and, and Jesus Christ, and now it's your opportunity. Just say this little prayer and repent from your life and, and pick up your Bible and start reading it. Start going to church and start living a life for Jesus and start denying your fleshly desires. And how you deny your fleshly desires is uh, anything that your body wants to do, don't do it. Anything that your body doesn't want to do, you should do it. Your body doesn't want to read the Bible. Your body doesn't want to go to church. That's, that's what you should do. So try to put the things of God in your life, and it, that will push out the negative things of your life. And you have to do work, too. There's, this, there's, no, magic, uh, there's no magic incantation that's going to say to make you, you know, do right by God. Our free will, yes, it's a birth. It's a, and it's us, our part in our, our Christian walk is to deny ourselves. That's why free will was given to us, is to 
learn how to deny it and how to deny what we want to do and do what Christ wants to do. So if you want to get into that life, if you want to deny yourself and die to your own fleshly desires and put in the things of God, this is how you do it. You make your statement of faith. You read your Bible. You put things of God into your life. You go to church. You read uh, uh, your Bible. You download Christian music. You look at Christian videos. You basically brainwash yourself if with everything Christian. When you get in your car, listen to Christian music. When you're driving in your car, put in a Bible app and listen to the Bible being read to you. If you're going down the road in your car and you know you can go to the SouthHeightsBaptistChurch.com and go to the media tab and click on Sam Cathy and then listen to some of Sam Cathy's stuff as you're going down the road, you're filling your head with the Word of God. And see, you have to fill your head with the Word of God because what you're doing is you're, it's a scale. There's a scale in your head right now. And on one side of the scale is worldly knowledge, and the other side of the scale is godly knowledge. And right now, because you're having your difficult life, you're sad, you're lonely, you're depressed in yourself, is because you have more worldly knowledge in your head than you have godly knowledge. And the only way to get out of that loneliness, that depressive state, that self-destructive state, that drug-addicted state, is to start putting the Word of God in your head and start less and less of the worldly knowledge and eventually you'll have more godly knowledge in your head and less worldly knowledge and then you can restrain yourself you can learn how to draw yourself and and keep yourself restrained because you have to you're the one in charge god's not going to magically come down and magically restrain you from doing all sin no you still have free will you're the one that's responsible for restraining yourself you are god's not going to come down and magically restrain you that is your job as a christian to deny yourself your fleshly desires and and that's a difficult thing but this the podcast is basically how do you take this bible and put it into actual everyday living and this is what, what what my goal is, is hopefully you can get to a point where you understand that the Bible has everything you need. All you got to do is read it, and you'll come to understanding that everything you need in life is in this book. So I went off on my tangent. So, you know, like I said, I'm the only one in this room. There's no one to pull me back, so I'm sorry. Okay, so like I said, if you want to make that statement of faith, turn your life over to Christ and Get your salvation that only comes from God and nothing that you do. There's no list that you can go down. Our Catholic friends, they believe that they can go down a list and get saved and be belong to the right church. No, there's no list. There's no church. It, it, salvation comes from God, period. End of that. Okay, here we go. Dear Lord Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner. I admit that my sins separate from me from you. I need your forgiveness. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and God raised you from the dead. I choose today by faith to invite you into my heart to take control of my life to be my Lord and Savior. I willingly choose to turn from sin and to turn to you. Please forgive me of all my sins. Wash me and cleanse me and give me a home in heaven with you when I die. Change me and make me a new person. Help me now to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Remember, repent. Turn away from that old life. Don't go back to it. Remember, the scale of knowledge, worldly knowledge, godly knowledge. You need to have more godly knowledge in your head than worldly knowledge to get out of that depressive state. If you don't, you'll stay in your depressive, destructive mindset. 
Okay, I invite you to church on Facebook Live Sunday morning, 11 Central Standard Time. And again, 6 Thursday, Sunday night. And again, Wednesday night at 7 p.m. When you do come, would you put in the comment section that you're from the podcast? I'd be greatly appreciated. Okay, I'm asking if you'd like to donate to the church, southheightsbaptistchurch.com. There's now a website or donate link on the website, godspathwaytolife.faith. There's a clickable link in the detailed description box for this podcast. Check out the detailed description box for all links and email information. Okay, that's all I have to say for today. Remember to say something nice to somebody you don't know because God said we are all strangers too and he loved us so. Your friend in Christ, Dave. Bye.